0: Yes. Five, four, three, two,
1: one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business.
2: Thank you, Sun Gray. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to let you know if you miss any part of today's show, want to hear it again or share it, there's a way. And Sun Gray will tell you how.
1: All UIYB past and present interviews are available at Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy's YouTube channel, Facebook page, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette's digital version, flagandbanner.com's website, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just ask your smart speaker to play Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And by subscribing to our YouTube channel or flagandbanner.com's email list, you will receive prior notification of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie.
2: This is not the first time retired Brigadier General John Michael has sat at the Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy table and been interviewed. I first met the general in an earlier interview with his business partner, Mr. Perry Smith, who again... Came back to the interview. The two of them came to talk about the work they were doing to resurrect the once hugely successful Minuteman hamburger franchise in central Arkansas. Along with learning about the interesting, innovative story of Minuteman and its founder, Wes Hall, I learned about John and Perry's other businesses, the Avalon Institute, an online leadership community and program whose mission statement says it all. The Avalon Institute was founded on the principle of roundtable leadership, where individuals learn to effectively collaborate in order to tackle complex challenges together. We tap into the full potential of an organization's collective intelligence, find sustainable solutions, and affect positive change. Good stuff. So who is Mr. John Michael? He is a retired United States Air Force Brigadier General who, during his stint in Kabul, Afghanistan, founded the highly successful Gratitude Cafe, a makeshift coffee shop with the goal of lifting G.I.'s spirits. He found this experience to be so rewarding and enlightening that once retired from service, he decided to pay forward his learned leadership knowledge by founding the Avalon Institute. John's unconventional approach to leadership has been recognized by Harvard Business Review, Washington Post, National Geographic, Huffington Post, and more. Today we will hear this interesting man's military story and get insight and a free lesson into how the Avalon Institute is building leaders. It is my great pleasure to welcome to the table the retired Brigadier General and expert in culture, strategy, and change for individuals or organizations, Mr. John Michael. And hey, Perry. Nice to see you, too. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having us back. I love it. So let's start at the beginning. You had a 26-year career in the Air Force. Do you come from a military family?
0: I did, actually. I come from a long line of military servers. Uh, My dad immigrated to the United States in the early 60s with one goal, join the United States Air Force. Where's he from? They're from France. And he grew up at a place where there was a uh, U.S. Air Force base, and every day he'd watch the airplanes go by. He was so inspired by the G.I.s and just the culture that he saw. And uh, at 18, he bought a one-way ticket, grabbed a single suitcase, and uh, came into New York Harbor. And within uh, several months, he enlisted in the Air Force, and he spent 30 years in the Air Force. Was he also, a citizen? He's a U.S. citizen. He went back to France, m- married my mom, brought her back to the U.S.
2: So back then, did you have to be a U.S. citizen to enlist in the? service
0: you could actually uh get on the path to citizenship that way so that's exactly how, I that's how a you citizen. get on the path to yeah. citizenship
2: can you still do it that way
0: i don't know exactly know. there's probably several different ways it's gotten a little more stringent as we know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh he's literally america was his dream from so, a very little boy so
2: do you, are you bilingual
0: uh my first language was french i actually uh and then english is my second i we speak it at home when we when i get to see my parents And uh, and my summer jobs would actually be working in France at my grandparents restaurant. So I've had a love of hospitality for a long time, all because I love humans and, you know, food and ways to be able to connect people has always been my passion.
2: You cook French?
0: I do. Absolutely. I love to cook.
2: What an interesting guy you are. She's enamored. He can kick your ass and cook you dinner afterwards.
0: Mm -hmm. That's, again, we want a diverse set of skills in this complex world, don't we?
2: Yeah, we do. So we
0: can hurt you, but then we can heal you.
2: (laughs) With food. All right. What happened to you first? Was there a turning point in your life that made you decide military life was for you, or you just always knew because your parents did, and you're like, he just always talked about it all your life, you're just going to grow up and join the Air Force?
0: So that's a great question. I. I'd like to say, I, you can refer to me as the accidental general, and here's why I say that. The accidental would, what? General, and here's okay. why. I I was uh, I joined ROTC just because I'd, I'd grown up around the military, but I was going to school in Texas, and I thought I was going to be a lawyer. But realistically, I saw, well, I can try this ROTC thing, meet a couple people, make a couple extra bucks. And I just found that I had a natural affinity for leadership. So I ended up, throughout that experience going to training, graduating at the top of my class, getting a scholarship to do anything I wanted. So I said, okay, I'll go fly jets. And then all of a sudden I was on this Air Force adventure and I thought, okay, I'll do it for four years. Then it was 10 years and then it was 15 years. And then eventually I was a general. I was like, okay, I'm at this magnificent opportunity to lead these 14 nations in Afghanistan. Leading people doing something extraordinarily hard is an extraordinary gift. And then after that, I realized, okay, now I really need to go do some of the other things on my to-do list. And that's when I decided to transition into the business world.
2: So where'd you do boot camp, Texas?
0: I do, did the boot camp in Texas.
2: Okay, at, were, at, you, uh, were you an uh, Air Force brat? Did you live all over the place?
0: Uh, we did. We lived overseas largely. My, again, my dad was in Air Force, uh, so he served there. We grew up primarily in Europe at the time. This is when, think about the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. The 70s and 80s, you had the Cold Wars raging. And so I grew up right in that. I'd spend days in East Berlin. you know, The days of the wall, I did all that. I mean, things that you see in history books now, I had the great privilege of getting behind the wall when you still had the secret police. Traveling all over Europe at a time when you still had border checkpoints. And so I watched this experience, and then I've watched the world now become borderless, right? So it's been fascinating.
2: It is borderless.
0: And, uh, and I think that's wonderful, actually. I'm glad that we live in a borderless world in many regards. It creates challenges. But it was a really blessed upbringing because I came to appreciate different cultures, different people, and and I got to watch the struggle in a different way. I mean, when folks behind the wall looked at the promise of freedom on the other side, you started to notice these things about people. In this And it's the same thing, right, that made this country great. So this insistent, this built-in desire we have as human beings to become all we're capable of mm-hmm. has been an endless quest. So I got to watch it with different eyes as a young person. And I think it helped at some level inspire me to go – there's no greater way to serve than whether it's for four years or 40 years. Put the uniform on, serve something bigger than yourself, and you only can become a better person.
2: So your first assignment was where?
0: Uh, after pilot training, I went to Langley, right where my dad was stationed. So my dad and I served together on his last tour and my first tour.
2: That is the charmingest thing I've ever heard.
0: Yep, they were they lived a mile away. It was fabulous. After being gone, you go to college, do your thing. You come back with a new appreciation from your parents. We just happened to be co-located. We got to fly together. It was amazing. It was really a blessing to do that. So
2: you're a you're a jet pilot. Uh,
0: yep, I've got about just under four thousand hours flying a bunch of different airplanes. And in Afghanistan, I got my first exposure to helicopters, which was a different adventure. You like them? Uh, I I've came to appreciate helicopters for. Um, employment in really diverse environments. What I mean is that they work really well for a lot of the militaries of the world. They create a lot of flexibility. They can help people as much as they can, well, harm people if you, that's what you need to do.
2: Are they uh, more dangerous than a jet? Which one's more dangerous?
0: No, they're just different. So uh, really, a jet, you're going to be – your controls are somewhat limited, right, uh, in terms of it's largely driven by go this way to push forward to go you know, faster and push back to go slower, and then you're controlling the airplane – you're actually adding a dimension in, this di- in a lateral dimension. So you're using your feet and your hands, and it's really more when you're flying a helicopter, using all the various things because you're moving in so many different axes. So it's more complex in many regards, I find. It's like I found a video game. It is, actually. Yeah, today's kids, oh, they're, they're, uh, they're fabulous at this because they're so used to now tasking. And I watch young people moving seven controllers on each hand, and they're hitting all the right buttons. And that's kind of what's happened now. Um, But I grew up and I was fortunate. I got to do a little more what we call stick and rudder flying, where, you know, you have less stuff and more airplane and you learn to be really good at your craft. And that was the key. It's learning to be really good at your craft. And it doesn't matter if you're flying an airplane. No, I don't.
2: You fly at all anymore.
0: I really don't. And to be honest with you, I don't. What I miss is how quiet it is at 50,000 feet by yourself. And you look at the curvature of the earth when the sun's going down. So you get a chance to see. go back to my experience growing up i got to see people behind the wall yearning for something others took for granted when you're flying above the horizon you get to see the beauty of the earth in a much more expansive way and i just think it opens up your horizons
2: literally literally (laughs) uh your first okay so then um your job was an airline pilot so airline uh, pilot a jet pilot yep
0: did that did, then moved on to Delaware, then did some stuff, got pulled onto the staff, and then very quickly. How so, many countries have you lived in? Uh, I've actually, so I've lived as a, you know, in just a couple of countries. Mm-hmm. I w- had 14 assignments by the time I moved, went to Afghanistan.
2: Was it what you expected, more or less?
0: It was more than well, I expected. Were you prepared? I was absolutely prepared. How but, old were
2: you when you went on your first assignment?
0: 23 years old.
2: Was it dangerous? Mm.
0: No, I don't say that was dangerous. I mean, I would tell you this, danger is to some degree a matter of perspective, and the reason I say that is we have the best training programs in the world. We have the best educate. We get people ready to do their job. This is why the military is consistently the the most respected, because we consistently can do our job. It's because the taxpayer invests in us. I mean, by the time you're flying airplanes, they have on average $5 million invested in you. That's how much the training, the val- and it takes two years. So you're really good at what you do. So what happens is, you know, it's a matter of you get the mission done and you want to get, you want to get a catalyst and really feel a pump. You get moving on the mission and you are completely focused.
2: So if it's, if it is not comfortable or uncomfortable, you don't have to talk about this, but talk about the pain of war and what you saw. Uh,
0: you know, the pain of war really comes from the fact that it's the human cost of war. And what I mean by that is we're well prepared, we're extremely capable technologically, but the part you can never fully get ready for, right? Is when you see that the real impact. We can we can prep for it, you can watch it on TV, but to watch now another human being suffering or the loss of a person, it it's it hits you in a different way because ultimately the true cost of these politicians may fight over borders or whatever we're fighting over, whatever the war's over ultimately. The end of the day, it's bore out by human beings in all cases, and when you see it, you come to appreciate um, the fact that uh, people are precious.
2: Does it bother you? I had a Jim Guy Tucker on here who who went to war and was in um, Japan after it had been bombed, and you know the nuclear bomb, and he and he went all over Asia after um, after Vietnam. And does it bother you? And it really bothers him. But when people civilians cry war who don't really know about war and haven't seen war or its destruction and how it ruins a whole generation of people when you see people like saying that on tv like let's go to war
0: absolutely and i take it back to they don't do you really understand the cost of war so i get we go to war for different reasons and we have national interests and other things the end of the day, unless you can really understand the implications of what you're asking people to do, and it comes down to the potential cost in human lives, really understanding is it worth it? And have you really exhausted all the alternatives before you put American sons and daughters in harm's way? So when you hear folks who are almost, you know, flipping like, oh, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to go to war over this. War, many people will tell you should always be the last option. And that means I've exhausted and done my, I've Fulfill my responsibility mm-hmm. to find a different way to achieve that ends before I start to risk people's lives. And it's just, to me, basic human respect. A leader, if you really, you should, the leadership is about people, period. It's about creating the conditions for people to flourish and thought thrive and be their best selves, right? Which means you always have to take that into consideration. Going to war, no one should ever take lightly. And I think what you're referring to is sometimes people make it look like it's an easy decision. And when they do, they don't know what they're talking about
2: so i had general wesley clark on and he went to west point and he loved being in the service because it was a it was a it leveled the playing ground between kids with high school uh, educations and himself who was a west point graduate and he got shot and he said you know these guys risked their lives to get me out of there and he told his story when he got shot have you ever had anything like that happen where you're like my brother and got me out of there
0: oh i mean absolutely so this goes to why you become once you've been in it and so let's take afghanistan okay um you know i'll remember one morning i had a uh, because of my my very visible role there and some things i had a security detail attached to me right and we lived with the afghans because the nature of my job uh, was to lead NATO's efforts to teach them how to build an air force. Now, building an air force in a non-war zone is hard enough. Imagine doing it in Afghanistan in an active place and you're doing it with an average eighth-grade education as your as your population group. So one morning I get a knock on the door about 4:05 a.m. and it's my security detail, my personal bodyguard. And he says, "Look, we got to get out right now because we came under attack." And we, uh, so we had some guys who had gotten in the towers. They'd attacked the camp. We had RPGs, which are uh, rocket-propelled grenades going all around us. I mean, literally, we're hunkered down. Uh, you hear the bullets. But the thing about it is not that you're fearful. You're just really in tune with what's happening. But here's to answer your question. I just knew how an amazing organization I was a part of when, in the midst of all this, I look, and across from us, we had our security detail, 26 young Americans, Average age, 23 years old. I'll never forget the fire and all the, the things are raining in on the camp. And these kids come out. They have their helmets on, their boots. They still have the stuff they slept in. They ran to the fire because they knew their job was to defend and take care of every single person in that camp. And I, for that, I just looked at this and I was in awe. I was like, that is why America is great. They will go and do what they're trained to do at great risk to personal self. They'll do it smartly. They'll do it as safely as they can, but at the end of the day, what they're, wor- what they're focused on is getting the mission done. The mission is protect every single person that was depending on them, and they didn't blink an eye or hesitate, and about three hours later, it was all dead bad guys, and no one injured on our side. Yeah, mm-hmm. So there you go. There's your superhero movie oh, I was for the holding
2: night. holding my breath for that one. <laughs> so it's like
0: the
3: Alamo, you know, reversed.
2: Yeah, yeah I was about to say, no, it's yeah. not.
0: That's inspiring to me. That's what it's about. It's... Mm-hmm and every time so when you experience that all you want to do is do create the conditions for them to continue to grow and be better because that's and i think that's what general clark was talking about the military gives you a sense of dependence and trust on other people to where you don't think about it it's very hard to replicate that in other places and part of it is cuz we train that way we have to do it but you consistently watch it exemplified and on that day to me it crystallized like what an incredible gift we have in these courageous people who raise their hand voluntarily from all walks of life to put that uniform on. No one was forced.
2: For those interested in enlisting, talk about how you would go about getting started today.
0: Absolutely. So how would you do it? I think you, uh, so go online, but the real thing is go talk to a recruiter. Talk to a human. Understand, and don't just talk to one. You know, you may watch the movie and you're inspired by a particular service. I would tell folks today... Talk to a recruiter from all the services. You might be surprised at what you learn. And it's an exciting time in America. We finally got our act back together and are going back to space. So the launch of Space Force gets us back now to think about new horizons. You've got amazing things going on in the Air Forces, the Marine, the Navy. If people understood the kind of mission diversity, anything you want to do, anything is available to you in the military.
2: I think people think that if they join the military, they're just going to end on the front line. They're going to end up on the front line.
0: Maybe 50 years ago or 30 years ago, but now think about the way wars changed. We don't really fight standoff wars anymore, right? Mm -hmm. The way we do it, a lot of it's technology, a lot of it's intelligence, a lot of it is data. So it's a completely different world. It's about being smart. It's about being in tune. It's about learning to collaborate. It's all about being part of a team. The reason I would encourage folks, if you're confused about what to do and you're a young person, talk to all the service recruiters. Then go do it for four years. Why? The education benefits, but more importantly, you will grow as a person. You will grow as a leader. You will develop emotional intelligence on how to be part of a, a team and your value to the workplace. You could leave there and be 22 years old with four years of world experience behind you and you will become a franchise player because you are learning skills that where else are you going to get them?
2: I talked to a- A business person one time and asked him he 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 helps fund businesses and I said what is the best business if somebody wanted to start a new business and it's funny you should use that word franchise and he said buying a franchise that is all structured Mm -hmm. and ready to go so if you come from a structured environment you come out you're like I get it I know how to follow rules I know how to fill out reports I know how to you, you, would, you would probably be a successful franchise owner.
0: Yeah, and that's the discipline that comes from it, right? So, we you know, we live in a checklist world. The one thing about flying airplanes or really doing anything, fixing airplanes or doing any mission, is you have a list. You're accountable. So the first mm-hmm. thing is you're accountable. You're trained. You're exceptionally trained. So you're used to know there's a time for structure mm-hmm. and process, and then there's a time to be a good wingman or a good teammate. And you've mm-hmm. got to learn both the hard and the soft elements of leadership just in fitting in even if it's just leading yourself just succeed in leading yourself not so much you don't have to. Have a parents bunch of can't teach that no parents
2: to- cannot i don't care how great a parent you are you it's hard to teach everything you just mentioned i'm speaking today with retired air force brigadier general john michael and his partner perry smith from uh minute with the franchise that they're bringing back but we're, we're really here to talk with the general about what he and perry have co-founded of the avalon institute an unconventional online leadership program i call it unconventional but before we do i want to talk about what we just talked about we talked about i can't help but call you john michael i know it's two words but i feel like your mother
0: is it michael or michelle Michelle is the, is the. I get both of them. Like okay, Michelle is the. I was yeah. told that recently. French. That right. Exactly. Well, now <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, See, but, you needed the first part about. Oh yeah, French is uh, my first language. Right. So it's
2: John Michelle. Then that sound. That, like, Much. Even the way well, you that it's said that. real was fancy. fancy. Sound really well. Real fancy. Does <laughs> your wife speak French?
0: No, but she's well. You know, she's always had a desire to learn, so she's learned elements along the way.
2: Do you love Paris?
0: I love. All of Europe. I love France. I love, uh, Paris is a great city. But I'll tell you, there's, I could pick a whole bunch of cities. I love the south of France. I love the west side of France. We went to Avignon. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I I mean, lots of goodness there.
2: It's crazy. You know what I noticed? And then we're going to get back on topic. But I noticed that over there, they don't, they have uh, noise reduced tires. So there's not the noise pollution for all the automobiles. And I don't know why America doesn't do that. But it sure would make the freeways quieter. I was like, why is everybody driving so quietly?
3: It's so funny you say that because I was in Paris and I noticed in the, the subways have rubber wheels. It's not the steel wheels in the subways. And it's just like the subway is just quiet.
2: They understand noise yeah. pollution. Yeah, I right. think yep. that they don't need nearly so as much out and Valium as we do probably <laughs> over here. Cause they understand noise pollution. So it's
3: called red wine. You know, they don't need Valium. That, you know? that,
2: that wine <laughs> is so weak over there. My granddaughter was drinking it. All right, let's get back. Oh. <laughs> We talked about your life it's and military life. If you're considering that as your career, I uh, highly recommend you go back and listen to John Michelle's description of it. You're stationed in Kabul, Afghanistan. Uh, what is your main job being there?
0: So I uh, served as the commanding general for NATO in leading the 14-nation effort to build the $7 billion Afghan Air Force.
2: Is that because you spoke you were bilingual that they gave you that job
0: no what it really is is when we talk about change and systems and how do you bring it's a really complex endeavor so one of the arts of leadership is how can you make the complex seem you know how do you break it out how do you now help people understand and wrap their head around it and then more importantly motivate them about their part in it so you almost have to deconstruct the puzzle find people's pieces help them put it back together right call collaboration and we just kind of so it was a massive system project
2: so is that how the gratitude cafe came about tell our listeners what the gratitude cafe is and how it paid played a role over there and how you came up with the idea
0: i think that thank you for asking that question because i'm quite fond of gratitude cafe because you know at the heart of all these things these complex changes and building or whatever you're doing are people again and so what made this particular assignment a particular challenge other than i'm in a war zone um, we're, the, we're lagging on, on how fast we had to build the Air Force. We had a lot of pressures to succeed. So we were coming in to build a different way forward. But we had 14 nations, right? So this is a NATO effort that I'm leading. 14 different cultures, not all people created equal. And so you have to find a commonality. One of the things about if you're going to do something hard, no matter who you have, you quickly got to find a sense of commonality that one can connect to. And when you're dealing with that many cultures, so I go back to hospitality. The one thing I realized is the human condition is first and foremost social. If you find a way to connect, I don't care what your background is, once we've done that, we have common ground. So I'd been walking by a trailer. So we lived. I lived literally in a camp in the middle of the Afghan base because we had to live with the people we served. That's the nature of the mission. It's dangerous, but it's the right thing to do there. I'd walked by this trailer for the first two months I was there, and then it struck me one day. What if we took that trailer, which was literally not being used for anything, repurposed it, moved it to the middle of the camp where we assembled with our flagpole and things, and we took something simple and common like coffee, and we created an experience that every day, all the experience was, we start social, use it as a way to talk, use it as a way to connect. So we redid, the, we redid the, the, this trailer, we turned it, we brought some tables, we uh, bought all the materials we needed to turn into a coffee shop. And then we started to invite people, and I changed the rules. I said, the first hour of every day will occur, if you will, the quad. We all show up there, and we're just going to drink coffee together. We're going to learn about each other. We're going to talk about our mission, but now it's very informal. So I flattened the whole organization. I have everyone.
2: What was it like before that?
0: Well, you have a hierarchy, right? you got generals, and you have colonels, and you have So, so what I mean by flatten the organization is it put everyone, regardless of rank, culture, or background, in a place where you can have a common conversation, about and, whatever you wanted to you talk about. And you
2: were kind of meeting in a meeting room with the guy standing up front talking at you.
0: Right. Now we're You're meeting talking. in the quad at a coffee shop starting to now. And then the thing about it is we also changed the rules that the only people who could serve in the coffee shop were the highest ranking people in the camp. So it was always the highest ranking serving everybody else. So we wanted that to set is an example.
2: Ingenious. So we
0: wanted to do a servant leadership model. So we served. Then we tied it to a social media campaign because I wanted America and other countries to be proud of the work that was going on. So we just made it available to them via social media. And we created a social media phenom, which is how Paradise got connected. He found us on social media. So now goods are pouring from the states. People are consuming them and creating a common connection point. And in short order, I had uh, Italians saying, well, I want to do some coffee. And so everyone found a way to connect We actually got more accomplished in that first hour informally. We call this in the workplace kind of like the, they used to call them the water cooler conversations. You remember that? That's the place where you go. You get more done because there's no guards up. I don't have a person sitting up giving me a formal briefing in a room with a big wooden table separated by things. We're people there for a common cause. Then we started to invite the Afghans. So this just became a catalyst. So Gratitude Cafe was a way to say thank you for all those who support us. Us serving those that we were that were there uh, that we were there to to, uh, to serve gave us a way to thank them every single day, and by simply the act of let me serve your coffee for you. That for for some cultures they were like the general is giving me. coffee. I had some countries couldn't wrap their head around it.
2: How did you get them to buy into that? The generals.
0: Well, the fact is they actually enjoyed the opportunity because they it really by upending, if you will, the organizational chart it made people much more human. It very quickly they dropped all the inherent barriers. When you're in the military, you got a hierarchy and you need it. You got a rank, a, a rank and order. When you move and create a if you will a neutral space around a common experience, which is food, i just considered coffee and that kind of an extension of food, you can very quickly just bring people back to be more authentic and What's, the girl was authentic what, authenticity. What
2: social media did you use?
0: Oh, we used Twitter. We were p- very prolific on Twitter on That's uh, how we discovered Facebook we yep. discovered gratitude on Twitter. We had a huge following because people got a Who glimpse into the to war. Do that? Oh, we myself and my Matt Fred, we had some really good teammates there and we were quite prolific. And matter of fact, at the time, uh when I left the military, I was the number one social media guy in the United States Air Force as far as I had 700,000 followers. I was like pretty, I, I, had a, I had a live radio show. Hey, I mean, we had a whole I cut
2: stuff a, going on. You need a job? I got a job <laughs> for sure. Right. No
0: but it, but it, well, all Matt, we did
2: is
3: Matt Fritz, the guy who set him up, is also oh, yeah. our partner at, at uh, Metaman. So and he's he, a master at all yeah, this. Yeah, he's a master
0: at it. So we just use social media to magnify the story about humans serving humans.
2: Is what I see, this does not sound like what I see on TV at all.
0: Oh, when you I, don't see these stories on TV. But I think I told you last time, Gratitude Cafe is still thriving today. Why? It's simple. It creates authenticity. It creates a way to create conversations that are real.
2: But they don't speak the same language.
0: You don't have to. You can. Well, all of them have some level of broken English just to be able to serve. But what you can, you know what we all respond to? What? Sitting down, having a drink with somebody, a a cup of coffee in a place where normally it's dangerous. Before you get to your, your, we all have a, a common mission. And now I can look at you and I can connect to you in a different way as a person. I don't have to understand everything you're saying, but you're real to me. Isn't that what it's about? It's just making ourselves available to other people and realizing that. And by upending it and having the myself, the command chief, the colonels serve everyone else, we really sent the message that we are here. What did I tell you? Leadership is create the conditions for other people to be and do their best. That's all leadership is.
2: That's exactly right. <laughs> create conditions for other people to shine.
0: That's exactly what.
2: So as soon as you feel good about yourself, you're going to do better.
0: It's and you got and if, so if you know your leader has your best interest at heart. This is a very big concept now in the world of leadership for the last several years called psychological safety, right? Mm -hmm. And psychological safety is this idea that it's safe to take risks. I can trust the people around me and my leader. And if you have that, you can do amazing things. If you don't have it, what happens? Organizations are dysfunctional. People are in their camps. They all have agendas. So it's really that simple. So you have to model it. You can't use words. You got to show people, I have your best interest at heart.
2: So there was a time we all wore safety pins on our shirts. Remember that?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Does that speak about that? Inter- that? I mean, is that something that you would do in an organization to make people feel safe? You could just, you would say everybody put on a safety pin. It's a safe place. I love that. I still have shirts with safety pins on them.
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, however folks want to communicate it, I think the key thing it's as a leader is yeah, make leader. yourself available to them in a very authentic way.
2: Um, how long was it after the Gratitude Cafe that you retired from the Air Force?
0: Uh, I, I I retired right out of a I left Kabul and and uh, petitioned to retire since as as I got back to the states. How come I wanted to get into the business world and do something different? And fourteen moves, it was probably time to give my family some stability.
2: You've been married to the same lady the whole time. I have
0: twenty seven plus years.
2: Glorious years.
0: Glorious with a capital G. Uh,
2: you have been written about as an accomplished unconventional leader and proven status quo buster. I would say, why is that?
0: But do you really need to ask that question?
2: I think I already know. Uh, what was your first job after retirement and how old were you now?
0: So I retired on my 50th birthday and I went to be uh, to the largest privately held transportation company in America, uh, in Dallas, Texas, where I served as a chief strategy and innovation officer. Uh, so I went right to, I was fortunate to go right to the C-suite out of, out of the military.
2: How'd you get that job?
0: Uh, I was recruited in by some executive recruiters
2: it has been following you on twitter you said hey I'm folks that we had
0: connected actually they found because i i wrote for harvard business review i had a radio show i mean so we had been pretty you active. had a radio show mm-hmm. with david webb out of new york city out of sarah's radio on sarah's radio what y'all talk about leadership it's called general you can go to generalleadership.com. com. we've had a prolific blog for matter of fact we're in the top 25 leadership blogs in the world with general leadership
2: so i went on avalon uh, i went on the avalon institute and you had a blog on there but you haven't posted on the blog since 18
0: Yes, because we the we've same been,
2: blog that you're talking no, about. No, this
0: is a so generalleadership.com. So here is the concept. When I was in the military, and it gets to the unconventional part because mm-hmm. it was a little. You know, there's some people who get a little. Uh, uh, they raise an eyebrow when you do things unconventionally, right? Oh, yeah. So I felt that if America trusts military officers and the military in general more than anybody, why were so few senior military officers in on, wearing the uniform talking to America? That seems simple, right? Why don't we find a way to create a dialogue? so that now we can make advice available to people who are interested in learning from those they trust the most. So we created General Leadership, myself and Matt Fritz, and it became quite popular. So I had re- active general officers still serving, retired. I brought in, So only the highest-ranking folks would write these blogs. We have 500 different stories written by senior military people on that blog. It's still now, this day. Now,
2: where do they go read those blogs?
0: Generalleadership.com.
2: Generalleadership.com. And it ties put to Avalon. To that on our website. You probably
0: should, because, I mean, that's... So you get a whole range of opinions from qualified people. But with that, David Webb, who's a Fox News host and has a radio show out of New York, for four years, we, he hosted me one night. Then we started saying, huh, this is a really interesting idea of making senior military leaders available to the public to have a dialogue. And so we started a show, and once a month, we would be doing this live out of New York. And, matter of fact, David... Flew to Kabul, Afghanistan, and we did a show live from a war zone uh, one day for three hours, and it was just fascinating because all we talked about was leadership and people make doing things to make the United, you know, things in America better, whatever it was. People driving change.
2: Sometimes people, I have noticed this. Sometimes in even my small organiza- organization, I'll see people that want to become a leader, and they do it by putting other people down to make themselves look better. <laughs> They do it by never accepting responsibility for something that went wrong. And it's the exact opposite of that.
0: Amen. That's not leadership.
2: No, but they are for some reason they think, oh, I don't want to get in trouble because then I won't be a leader. So I'm going to throw my my coworker under the bus and I'm going to say it wasn't my fault.
0: You know what that tells me? They either haven't had a good mentor or they haven't had a good example because anybody that they, they would have seen real leadership, they knew it was exactly the opposite of what you described, right?
2: And you know how you talked about running towards the problem? Run to the fire. They run to the fire. A leader runs to the fire, takes responsibility for it, and if it doesn't work...
0: You take responsibility for it.
2: Because that's what a leader does. Because
0: you have to own it. You
2: own it. You own it, whether it's good or bad. And if you do do Mm -hmm. a good job, you give it away.
3: That's exactly right. So, Carrie, at my former restaurants, and we talked about those before, called Matchbox, we had a... um, I think John and I had connected a little bit later on down the line after he got out of Afghanistan. <clears throat> but we had a, um, a little forum that we would do every Friday where the staff, uh, right before they were getting prepared for their shift, they normally would just come in and we'd do a shift leadership talk, here are the specials, here we go. But every Friday we did a thing called um, Speaker's Corner, You know, like they do over in Hyde Park or uh, in, in London, where you basically say to somebody, you can get them to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So you have 20 minutes, so every staff member, that, that wanted to talk about things in their life could get up and have a conversation about it. And the only rules were you couldn't be negative and you couldn't talk about work. And, and you so you have a
2: time limit. Cause there's some that'll get
3: up and you're just like, Oh, oh no, and we and cut, no, no, we okay. cut them off. 20 minutes. Yep. They gave them 20 minutes because that was the, the, uh, the length of the meeting. But basically what I but would each do. Each person needed a time limit. Oh no. Each person had a time limit. Yeah. yeah. But, but I would give them their time. And I said, because I would ask them about their lives, their personal, you know, what, what do you do outside of work? And a lot of them are, why are you asking me that? We'll say, because I want you to tell your coworkers about this in a different forum. You can talk about whatever you want. And we had kids were like, oh, my gosh. And it was so empowering for them, mainly to be able to connect with their other teammates. It didn't matter what they talked about, as long as it wasn't negative. But we learned so much about each other, about you know, and we would sit there with the ownership and listen to what they had to say. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, I understand why this person does what they do. And then, of course, you you think about, okay, well, how can I harness that? Now I know that about them. How can I empower them to do more of what they need to do? Because if they do that, they'll
1: be better at work.
2: I'm not sure, Perry, I really want to know all that stuff about them at home. I oh can't. my gosh.
1: Whatever. She's the one coming into work every day going,
2: we're a family! And we
1: know about everything about each other. <laughs> I know
2: and I hate that about myself. Oh please!
1: I really
3: don't like it. Until she does it again. My, yeah. really right. I really
2: don't Put away like the guns. My husband's always going, Carrie, stop prying. Getting involved. <laughs> like, well, I just wondered. Okay, alright. It's a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with retired Air Force brigadier general john michael and his partner perry smith still to come we're going to talk about the avalon institute free tips on change for the new year and how who and how can join the avalon institute and what you can expect to learn we'll be back right after the break
4: carrie mccoy founder and president of arkansas flag and banner believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life, mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I am Adrienne McNally manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner showroom and gift shop located on the first floor of the historic Taborian Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open to the public Monday through Friday 8 to 530 and Saturday 10 to 4.
2: You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with retired Air Force Brigadier General John Michael and co-founder of Avalon Institute and his partner, Perry Smith. They are unconventional online leadership program uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, Before the break, the very first of the show, we talked about uh, John Michels. Michel. Michel. John John (laughs) Michels. That's how you say his name because he's French. John Michels' military career you're thinking about that kind of a career you need to go and listen to it secondly we talked about leadership great tips on leadership it's not rocket science people just listen up and now we're going to talk about uh the avalon institute and he's going to share some more of those avalon skills what were the events leading up to founding the avalon institute i think i kind of noticed that except for you came right out of the service you said in the last break and went to work for uh not a trucking company but a uh, would you call it? Yeah,
0: name? it's a, it's a, a, the, transportation a transportation company.
2: Transportation mm-hmm. company. So, have you? Are you still there? Have you left?
0: Nope, I left there after uh, uh, after about a no, not quite two years because. Uh, so, bottom line, there we had the opportunity to uh, to learn a lot about. They're the biggest providers of paratransit services. So, people with disabilities who have special needs, they provide most of the transportation in America, and I became really inspired with that mission. So after almost two years, uh, I left, we bought a small technology company because I felt that we could do a better job of serving them with a more technological orientation and some other things. So, uh, and then Perry was in that adventure with me. So in the process, when I was at, my, at, at MV, that company, I, uh, we started realizing that, you know, we can systematize and expand our conversation if we just encapsulate it in this thing that we called Avalon. And Avalon was really just a way to begin to provide skills and, and access to our ideas Uh, of some formulas, some systems. And we were hired at the time. We did some work with special operations. So we were teaching these principles around the concept of there's three things, right? We show up and we, it's thinking, being, and doing. It's what you see. So this idea is thinking is how do I understand the way that I'm naturally wired? And so we have an assessment that came out of a teammate that we have out of Harvard created and it emerges your preferred ways of thinking. And if you understand the preferred ways you think and make sense of the world, now you're armed with a key piece of knowledge. Being is about now I also understand uh, how can I, what are the preferences I have and how I like to show up in the work. So I think a certain way, I have certain preferences and things that I respond to, and last but not least, at least you have doing, which is how can I be more emotionally intelligent? Emotional intelligence is the glue that binds it all together. Matter of fact, every single study of successful leaders finds that at a certain point, really when you, especially when you break out of mid-level management, the all effective leaders exercise a level a high level of emotional intelligence. It's your Thank ability you. to connect exactly, right? This is the ability now to connect to people. So it's about being aware of yourself, being aware of other people, being aware of your environment, and then proactively shaping conditions to try to find positive outcomes. That's what it's about. So we, have, we brought in assessments. so we have assessments that we can do with people. We started doing coaching. And so, all Avalon was is give people access to all we have is different experiences. So, we had a group of people that you see here. Uh, They all have different experiences. We have some tools. And the goal is whether it's individuals or groups, let us help you think through, walk through, and construct new ways of being. If you want to be better at something, all we want to do is help you do that.
2: There's a lot of people under Meet the Team. When you click on Meet the Team, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people. And so I wondered if it was also, so you answered my question, is, is it for individuals or is it for organizations? And you're like, it's for both. Mm-hmm. But is it also for people that want to be a life coach? Do you teach other people how to be a life coach? Who are those leaders under the under the meet the team so some of them that's
0: what they do full-time so we have folks with different levels of expertise so if someone has a particular thing they want to learn about we might direct them to a particular teammate right to say okay you'll want to talk we're going to connect you with x part of it is we're going to if you want to know more about yourself we're going to give you this assessment so we want to find out where people are in their journey the people there on the team represent diverse sets of skills we have some who are experts in certain fields some who are actually world-class coaches for executives Others who are experts at develop you know, leading change or creating high performing organizations.
2: So I want to get started. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing I just do? go
0: to just go to AvalonLeadership.com.
2: Log in. Give them your information. Yep, exactly. It's private.
0: And then it's, just, it's absolutely. And, and then, then
2: what do I get back? You'll an get email an email connection
0: says, hey. and then we can connect with you. I mean, you send an email. And so we try to make it personal as, you know, as much as we can. And then we get to you know we have a conversation to say, tell us about yourself, what interested you about it? And very quickly, are you as an individual? are you part of an organization? Because so people approach us for different things, right? Some people say, I have a team that's not functioning very well. Can you help us? Okay, yeah. that's a, that's so we have a a group we can do that with. So we've assembled tools, expertise, put them into this virtual kind of space, and then depending on the needs of who's asking, we can respond.
2: So individuals would take a personality test. Um, I assume I would. Lo- I love doing that. So is that right? We take a personality kind of test. Yes, they they
3: could and they could and also groups Your could take a personality. personality they, they could take test. A, a, one of our tests. They could take the cognitive peak profile assessment, and then what they could do is do it either individually, and we can do a one-on-one coaching, or we can actually do an entire group assessment to find out where people align, their strengths, how they think, how well, they be, how they do. A
2: business has a personality overall it does and people Absolutely. don't realize that a business mm-hmm. has a personality it does so how do you qualify that how do you figure that out so this is your business personality
0: so if you so when we talk about business personality so we have a persona in the marketplace but the composition of the organization what I think of business personality we call culture so uh, organizations oh, sure. have a culture and that culture is a reflection of leadership and people Dysfunctional leadership, I can probably guess what your culture is going to be. So the goal is through awareness, awareness of individual, bringing the group together by giving people awareness of here's our strengths. I have some, you have some, where we might have gaps. The sheer act of a conversation, information allows us now, and where you're not aligned, it starts to tell us the kind of thing we can now say, here's some things you can think about doing different that now can move you to the culture you want to have. Because at the end of the day, culture is what it's all about, right?
2: How do y'all make any money?
0: There, we really don't. We can actually see this as much as a public. I mean, it's the cost of the survey people pay. We don't really, we never really did this from a pure business standpoint.
2: What we is the cost it because of the it was survey? demand. If I wanted to do it, what would my cost be as an individual? You could
3: take it individually for, for say, fifty nine ninety nine. Oh,
2: my um, God. How do y'all live? That's so
3: luckily cheap. we don't live up. this is more well, it's, I like it's more about the engagement i mean we and, and the one thing i think from our client list and, and how diverse it's been we've worked with division one athletes we have worked with this john mentioned special forces we set we've done a two-day seminar and an entire squadron breakdown for um a group of folks out of barksdale air force base who let you know fly b-52s so it's been very very diverse do you all and,
2: have very many clients pardon me do you all have very many clients We've, we've
3: had a lot of clients over the years. Absolutely. But we haven't lately
0: because we have one big client called Minuteman Man Man. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Minuteman. So oh, come oh, watch, join oh, us oh,
2: our at that client. Team, our That's team where you're making your money.
0: But right. this is actually where we're bearing out leadership. I mean, the conversations we have to have with our team. Pivoting, you know, we're rolling out now uh, a new food trailer concept that's coming out next week. We're signing on. We're lo- launching a virtual kitchen here. So my point is we're living the principles of Avalon because we're innovating. We're iterating. We're engaging our team. We're holding them accountable. We, we're li- living Avalon in a real-life leadership laboratory called Minuteman because we want this state to take this pride of Arkansas that was Minuteman, and we want to introduce it to the country at a time when I think patriotism, no-nonsense is exactly what we need. We need to get back to the ideas of service, people, community. That's Minuteman. So this whole conversation we had about leadership, we're living it real time in building this brand, holding our team accountable, trying to lead and inspire them and do something and create an experience that the people right now in Arkansas can be proud of.
2: And you can go back and take these experiences at Minuteman and improve Avalon with what That's you've right. learned. Yeah, too.
0: And we can if, apply it to other businesses, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's one thing to be theoretical. Mm -hmm. It's another whole level of credibility, right? You could talk about building a successful business, or you can build a successful business like you do. People listen to people who build the business, not just talk about it. So
2: you're doing both. You're talking about it on Avalon. And we're building it. What's the Avalon uh, 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 address?
0: Avalonleadership.com.
2: Avalonleadership.com. Everybody Mm -hmm. go there. It's an easy website to navigate. Spend $59. Get some help from these Expert pros who have conquered the world. Can I literally. Give
3: a, Carrie? Can I give a gratuitous plug here? Sure. Our trailer is rolling out
2: uh-huh.
3: this coming Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We are setting up the Minuteman trailer to serve burgers, fries, and radar pies at the as close as we can get to the original Minuteman at Fourth and Broadway. That's
2: just Southern Broadway.
3: Fourth and Broadway. In so we right? will be there. Starting at about 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock this coming week. I'm
2: going to get that chili. What's that say, thing called? There. What's that Cheese chili? dip. Ch- no, no. Or
3: cheese dip and chips and cheese dip. No,
2: no. The chili hamburger. The chili well, you burger. Can get that and
3: can get a chili burger.
2: What's that chili burger that y'all were famous for that had all the chili and cheese smashed on it?
0: Oh, actually, you're talking n- number two, right? Are you number talking about the hickory the cheese? You're talking two. about the hickory smoke sauce one with there the cheese. Oh go. no, that's the king, <laughs> right there. Number two. Number, number two.
2: two. I'm going to get a number two.
0: Down the street, flag and
1: banner. I
2: know that's it. Right. Uh, thank you. There's your Illinois flag. It's a desk set. Oh, I love Perry. it. Perry already you. got one last time. Thank that's you. the Air awesome. Force. Uh, the the state you live in, Illinois. Thank you. You're welcome. And the U.S. I hope you don't already have one. All the so you nope. probably have flags this is everywhere. actually my this is this is wonderful.
0: Thank you. You're
2: welcome. Thanks for coming on. Y'all come back again sometime. We're gonna visit and talk some more. I want to say to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening, and that whatever it is will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy and I'll see you next time on Up in Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up.
1: Listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple to help you live the American dream.